Sponsored by the Dunleary Ratdown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye with Joe Dalton and Simon Haig. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Business Eye. Yes, it's the 31st of July, and where's the summer? I'm sure that we're all having stay-home vacations, and we're looking for the weather to go with it as well. Well, on a different note, I'm speaking to Stephen Murta today. Stephen was my co-host at Business Eye many moons ago, and he's going to be talking about sales. And then after the break, we're going to speak to David Hogan. David is a startup company who has started a company on SmartFlow. That's conservation for water. Save money in those companies. So sit back, grab your coffee, and let's get the show going. You're listening to Business Eye, sponsored by your local enterprise office in Dunleary Ratdown. Together, we're making it happen. And my next guest is an old friend and someone who used to sit at the same side as the table as myself, and it's Stephen Morta. Stephen, I would have to say, is an honourable guy. He's really well respected within the network. And when it comes to sales, he's like myself. We accept and we know what's true and how people can generate an income by selling, or we say helping, and growing the business. Hey, Stephen, how are you? Ah, uh, Joe, it's a pleasure to be back. Pleasure to be back. And it, it's, um, it's been a while since we've had a, a proper conversation. So I always love these, you know, I love these conversations because we're very like, and I, and I agree with you with sales. And it's funny because I've been training quite a bit in sales recently. And it's just people kind of really overcomplicate sales. They can really think too much about it. And I, I think that's a big problem. It, sales is about two people coming up with a solution to a problem. It's that simple. Yeah, it's, it's when, when, I always find when you're talking to sale about to people about sales, they suddenly have this mental block, you know, and that revolves back down to the dirty car salesman, you know, the used yeah. car sales, Absolutely. you know, the for you and me it would have been the double glazed man knocking yeah, on the door. Knocking on the door. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want to buy some windows? Yeah, yeah. buy some windows. Or cyclopedia, the cyclopedia sales. Yeah, or the other one was the famous one in, in office equipment sales, which I did for about six months, was knocking on the door um, with a bunch of flowers uh, for the receptionist. I mean, tacky at its very best. It was and donuts same. for me. I was off of sales for a couple of years. But that was, you know, I, I, I ground my teeth in in the office equipment and office supplies and then went into the motor trade so yeah you've had some too you've been in the tough world of sales you've been (laughs) on on the the sharp edge at the end of sales (laughs) (laughs) but but it's all about helping and there's one thing that which really i try and tell people you talk about sales and you want to be better at sales but you're not willing to practice to be a better salesperson and i use it say you'll go and do a diploma or you'll go to college or you'll sign up for a course on whatever. Yeah. But when it comes to the sales, you, you don't want to, you know, learn a process and then practice that process to get good at it. Why, why yeah. is that? Why don't people do that? I, don't, I suppose it's just, it comes back to your dirty word about sales. People think this sales is a dirty word and it's a job. Oh, I'll do a sales job if I have to kind of thing. And it's like they, they don't respect, a lot of people don't respect the sales environment. 
and that it is a profession. I mean, it's, it's the oldest profession in the world for, for lots of different reasons, but it's the oldest profession in the world is selling. And, and like everything else, Joe, and you, you and I know because we're of that vintage age-wise, that we know it's a bit, things change all the time. I mean, the way customers expect to be treated changes all the time. I mean, right now is a really good example, actually, because if you take six months ago before COVID happened in the world, it sales to some extent was like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, it was, it was, it was easy. And it was all these guys, all these hunters out there, like there's all these farmers out there just taking orders in all the time. It's definitely changed now because when we come out of COVID, like as when we come out completely out of COVID, the other side, whatever that looks like, it's got, it is going to be hard because the challenge is there's going to be less buyers in the market. There's going to be less money in the market. Companies have closed down. That's the negative stuff. And we have to be honest about it. But what we need to be is better. We need to be, because people will still buy, but they'll buy from people who are better prepared, who are more focused on their needs. And that's a skill in itself. And you don't just get that overnight. You need to learn that. Yeah. And that's why I think changing changing face of sales, we have to learn and adapt and evolve as salespeople. I think you're right, because when I teach sales and go through the whole process with people, I kind of say to them, says, look, you have to start and it's basically fact finding, asking all those yeah. questions. And then it's introducing your product and the, the real benefits that it is. Yeah. And then it's recapping on everything you spoke about. Then it's going through the objections and then it's turning the objections into questions. And then going, if there is a problem, going back to your product, the real benefits again, to reinforce what the objection would have been, to overcome that, and then going into the close. And the one thing that I ask people, what's the biggest thing that you have? And they go, closing. But it's not. Closing is so small compared to everything else in the whole process. It is. No, it is. And I agree with you. And it's the one people stumble with. And I mean, I've been doing sales marketing training for the last three months, three or four times a week for Leo's. And this is always one. You're absolutely right. This is the one that comes up all the time. And as a, but a statistic I quote to people, and it is true, 48% of salespeople do not ask for an order. They'll go in, they'll do this wonderful presentation, they'll talk all the, the features, benefits, and advantage, and all the kit and caboodle, and it's brilliant. But when it comes to saying, Joe, will we go ahead with that exhibition training, or will we take whatever product or service is, they don't do it. They kick it to touch. They go, oh, he might say no, he might do this. And I, I said to salespeople, you're just wasting your time if you struggle with the closing piece. The closing piece should be the easy piece. But what I also notice is, because I do some joint calls with people, they'll do a wonderful presentation. They'll talk like I'm talking now, very positive, confident, la, 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 all that stuff. But then when the guy says, okay, how much is it, Joe? And, and, every, and, and what instinctively what happens, and you've seen this as much as I have, the head drops, oh, it's 16,000. And they'll, they'll mumble the figure because they don't believe in it. Closing is... You have to practice closing, whether you're saying to a person, will we go ahead with that? Well, if he says no, so what? Ask him some questions. How come he's saying no? Like for me, in sales closing, you get three things. You get a yes, you get a no, or you get a definite decision date. Now, the yes, obviously, that's brilliant. You get a no, you ask some questions. It might not be, it might be a no today, but it might be a yes in three months' time or a month's time, whatever. But find out why you get that no. But if you get this, how many hall maybe have to talk to partners, Get a definite decision date. Say, okay, can you give me a decision by next Tuesday? Not, okay, I'll come back to you and leave it loose. Yeah, always, to, yeah I, I always agree that every action creates another action. So you have to follow up with something. It's not, oh, no, let's call someday next week. Let us have a call next job. Tuesday at 2 p.m. for 15 minutes. And that sort of narrows it in. But I think what it goes about 
the fear it about closing is it's the fear of rejection. That's yeah, what so. it is. Yeah. yeah. Of course. But if you absolutely. go and if you know your product, I always say that you know you need to know hundred percent of your product, but you will only use fifteen percent of it in a sale. And you only use the fifteen percent that you're using from the conversation of the fact finding that you've all the questions. I have yeah. seen seasoned salespeople go into a sales presentation and go, me, 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 I, 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 great. And doesn't no, it doesn't work. People don't want to know that. It's ask about the questions, ask about the business, ask. All that information you're getting is helping you on your stepping stone to close the deal. But also what you can do with that is, and I always use this expression with salespeople, I said, when you've done your fact-finding piece and you're coming to offering the solution or whatever that solution might be, you're saying to somebody, and I use this expression based on what you've told me. So in other words, you've told me some piece of information and based on what you've told me, here's the solution. So what you're doing is you're linking it back to what the customer needs, yeah. not what you need. Because traditionally, there's two problems in sales. There's a salesperson's problem, I've got to hit a target. And there's a client's problem, I've got to solve whatever problem it is or whatever issues. For me, what we've always done is we've looked, gone into sales calls with our own problem in mind. I need to hit a target. I've got to get five pounds revenue, 50 pounds revenue, whatever it is. We're not focusing on, on solving his problem because when we solve his problem, he solves our problem because he buys. We need to turn, turn, turn things around a bit. Yeah, and this is where, this is a great question as well that I ask people. And it goes back to the marketing end of it. Hmm. If you were to buy your product or service, would it change your life? And there's the question that everyone needs to ask. If they're selling something that they know that if they were to purchase it themselves, it could change their life. That's why people buy product, products and services on it. And if that works, then you haven't clarity and you're on the right. If you're only selling it for money, it's it's not it's not going to happen. You see, the other thing about that is, and, I, and another example I use is, is it's, and I'm sure you've probably heard me use this example before, but um, this whole area with salespeople, where we where we just have this mental thing in our head, it's all about price. It's not all about price, but when we go in with this, oh, my, we might be too expensive for you. Think he's going to say we're too expensive, or whatever. We we change the focus. People buy products, as you've just said, and rightly so, but people are buying products because it's it's what's in it for them. Like they're not buying exhibition training off Steve Murph because he's a nice bloke or because he's in Dublin or he's what la 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 25 years. They're buying my exhibition training because they want their salespeople to sell more square meters of exhibitions. It's that simple. And and it's like when I go into a meeting with an exhibition organizer, I say, Well, how many salespeople have you got? The open question, as we all use. He said, I've got 10. And it's a kind of a leading question because I say to him, Well, how many of them are working out? Because I know invariably if he's got 10 salespeople, at least one of them is not working out. That's where my focus is. But what I'm, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is I'm focusing on his needs, not my needs. I'm not talking about how good the exhibition guy is. I'm talking about what we can do for you. It's like LinkedIn, Joe, and you know LinkedIn. You know I'm probably sick of seeing me on LinkedIn. But what I will always do on LinkedIn, I've changed my focus, is I would be saying, okay, I'm not talking about the exhibition guy because that's not relevant. I'm talking about here are three things you want to do if you're exhibiting on a trade show. Here's five tips for selling, ex- selling exhibitions or selling financial services or whatever it might be. You're helping the other person. It's not about you. It's about the other person. But it's also about being congruent right across the whole board with everything that you have as well. Yeah. And that's the message. 
that you need to have. I don't think salespeople do that, Joe. I think they go in with this mix kind of, oh, they're ducking and diving and they're going to do this and they're trying to get, they're trying to shaft them and trying to be nice and shaft them at the same time. You're absolutely right. Congruency, it needs to be across the whole of it. Yeah. That's what builds trust and credibility and that's what makes buyers not, not sales. Here, here, here's another one for you. I'll throw this at you as well. When you think of sales, do people think it of the sales presentation or do they think it's part of lead generation as well? Because reality of it, lead generation is marketing. And then sales is when you have made contact that person, they've raised their hand of an interest, and that's the sales presentation. So where do people define it or do they just think lead generation is part of sales? Yeah, I think they do. I think you're you're right. Um, I think the lead gen side is, is is a side that we're always developing pipelines for the future. We're looking at how we can bring that lead to the next stage. Now you're a pro. I know you're a pro at the whole funnel assist, sales funnel system and what marketing automation. It's something I'm not great at, but that's where I think that lead gen piece. I think it crosses the line between the marketing piece and the sales piece, but it kind of stops. It's about seventy five percent in marketing and twenty five percent in sales. If that makes sense. It does cross both of them. But I think the lead gen thing is so important because, because salespeople these days obviously go out, they scramble, let's get some business in, but they don't think about what the longer term is. Because again, you and I both know this, Joe, being in the training space. And, and it's not about the sale is great, but we, we as individuals and companies need to get more consistent business. So we need to get retainer business, whatever you want to call that. And that to me is where, where the real work in lead gen comes identifying that, coming up with solutions for that, and then doing the presentation to get the sale for it, if that makes sense. What I've learned is you have lead gen, you have it, but one of the best lead gens as well is reaching out to people. So you have lead gen, which brings in, and that can be a slow process, and that gets quality leads. But there's the yeah. other one then, which is, it, you know, bears more fruit, and that's reaching out. And when you're reaching out to people, and I've learned that if you reach out to enough people and talk about what you have and you have value, you can't say no. There's something yes. about people that if you reach out to them two or three times and your product fits within their space and the value and everything, they find it very hard to say no. It's just it is true. Yeah. It's, it's like like I'm dealing with a company in Saudi at the moment and, and they're the Saudi the Saudis are very I don't want to generalize, but by, by and large, you have to have lots of conversations from before they say yes. You have to do that if you want to call it lead gen, whatever way you want to call it. But you're developing that relationship all the time. And then at a point, they say yes. I'm, I'm doing some business with this guy now. But it took me, I don't know how many conversations. But for me, the magic of, and again, I just use LinkedIn as an example because it's consistent conversations. But it's not conversations talking about exhibition guy being great or Stephen being great or la la la. It's a conversation between two people. I mean, you're, you and I are old enough to know. Those days are well gone. This flashy, give it loads of lines, loads of speak. It's about relationships, ultimately. And building, because when you build a relationship, for me, it's not a sale. It's them buying off you because they, oh, I trust Joe Dalton. Trust. It's trust. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And that does take, but I, I understand, Joe, the, the impatience certain people have going, I, can't, I don't have time for that. So if you don't have time for that, then you don't have time to be in sales because that's what sales is. It's, it's like podcasting. You know, I've been doing podcasting now probably four years. God, I'm just thinking, Jesus. Yeah. It's four years. And a lot of people will do it for a couple of months and they don't get any bite of it and they'll they bail out of it. 
But yeah. it's, it's, and people will look at you and they go, Jesus, Stephen is an expert in sales and he hex, helps people right across the world. But they forget the struggle that you had to do and the years of pain that we both had to do to get there. Yeah. They just see the now and want it instantly. You probably know this, Joe, but I spent the first six months of my business literally billing nothing. I mean, I wouldn't say zero, but it was pretty, pretty close to zero. And, I, and at one stage, I, I think we met, and I think I don't know what even the said it to you at the time, but to me, I was going, what, what am I doing? Like, I've got to get a job here, or else I've got to find a way of getting revenue in. But then I looked at it and said, no, any sustainable business and any good salesperson, business person, whatever, it takes time to cultivate. Now, whatever happened at that six-month period, I got one or two good deals, and I got one or two more. And I got, now, it went up and down like a yo-yo. But my point is, you've got to be patient on this piece. Because if you push it through, you're just a salesperson. If you are consistent with your clients, congruent as you in all, everything you do, as you mentioned, then you become more trusted, credible, and people start to buy from you. And when they start to buy from you, other people start to hear about it, and other people start to buy from you. So you have to be patient in the whole process. What do you think the switch was? You know, one phone call can change our direction in business. The switch for me, Joe, was actually really easy. It was very easy. What actually happened was I started posting on LinkedIn originally. And again, I'm only, only using LinkedIn as purely as an example. I used to start posting on LinkedIn and it was all these kind of very heavy sales posts with loads of call to actions and la, 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 and then loads of stuff. And, and someone said to me, You're, it's too much. It's, 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 you know, it's all about you. It's all about uh, call to actions, la, la, la. And I'm not saying they're not important because they're hugely important. But what I did was I backed off completely. I started looking at my posts going, this is not about me, this is about somebody else. And exactly the same in my sales calls. I would make the sales calls or face-to-face meetings and I wouldn't even talk about myself. I, I'd just let them talk. And there's a funny thing in life that when you start listening to somebody and really listening to them, they listen to you much more intently when you start talking and they trust your opinion more. So I think I backed off on being this salesperson to being more of a business person, if that makes sense. As I like to say, a trusted advisor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're still selling, Joe. We're all selling, but I think you've got it. That's exactly what I was, the point I was saying at the start when you asked about, about people learning how to sell or doing training for how to sell. We all have to adapt. Like, we all have to look at our processes and say, that's not working, let's try something else. I mean, I did a session yesterday, was it yesterday? Yesterday before, on idea generation for one of the Leos. And I said to the guys, don't be stuck on your idea. Make it work, yes. But don't be so stupid as to say, if it's not working, you keep doing it. You've got to change things around. Yeah, I mean, you're allowed to get things wrong. That's you should thing. get things wrong. Yeah, you're allowed. It is okay if something is wrong, because when it's wrong, you come back and then you change it to get it right. Nothing it's has ever been right. Do you ever, you know... I'm building a deck and I've built a deck out the back garden. I used YouTube to build yeah. it. So there was times that I kind of had to stand back and go, okay, that's not working. And you have to yeah. think about it. That's marketing and sales as well. It's and, absolutely. And maybe a lot of people, they feel the failure because oh, sales is easy, you know, sales is, and they get it wrong. So they think that, oh, I can't get that because it's wrong because sales is easy. If you have a system and you practice it. That's it. Practice easy. is the key word. And you're, you're right about failure because this whole piece about success and failure is interesting because it's, it's like I explained to my son when he was play, playing rugby and I was coaching his rugby. I said to him, you don't understand 
or you can't you can't understand the real um happiness of winning unless you've lost and what i mean by that is when you learn how to lose you enjoy the winning far more and if you take that into the sales environment we're always adapting you're not going to succeed every time because that's not that's just unfortunately life and that's but the successes are far more enjoyable when you've learned how to how to lose or you've learned what doesn't work and you, you say to yourself i'm mature enough to say that didn't work i'm going to dump that i'm going to do something else or i'm going to modify it it's exactly the same in sales you practice 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 you try trial questions they don't work you try another question instead you try a different approach something and, and you'll hit the sweet spot eventually it, it reminds when i talk to people about other things is you can't experience love unless you experience hatred you can't experience exactly joy if you can't experience absolutely. sadness yeah opposite emotions show you have yeah. to be able to experience both because you don't that's the that's the that's, that's the, the growing success. that's the growing part of us where of by doing that we're evolving and moving forward on it you know, See, that's I, I said to you a few weeks ago that like the COVID time for me was actually a fantastically good time because I started to relax a bit more. I started to say, listen, hey, the world's not perfect. Life's not perfect. I'm doing this and that's not working. Well, why don't we just dump that? And we'll try something else. How yeah, is it? Yeah. How like I have in some of the shows, I, I talk about the opportunity that that COVID has brought and it, it you know there is people out there that will give up and they're not they won't have another fight in them and there's other people entrepreneurs and other people that go do you know what I'm going to have one more shout at this I'm going to just you know and that's the way it is um where do you see your industry now like we talk about survive to thrive and that's one of yeah. the things that we're talking about on business side um where do you see it you know, in the industry that you're working for, because your industry is about getting numbers into a building and then you have exhibitors selling products and with the social distancing and everything, where, where, where do you see it all, Stephen? Well, our industry, Joe, I mean, I, I don't want to play the poor mate, but our industry has probably been hit certainly a lot harder than some other industries. Not oh, every yeah, so of course. Yeah. But, but it's not, I'm not, complaining, I'm not complaining about it because that's just real life. What it's done is it's given us a wake-up call for the exhibition industry because we had it too easy for too long. I'll be very straight with you. We had it too easy for too long. And it was like, again, it's like shooting fish in a barrel to some extent. Um, I never thought exhibitions are great. Now, what, where, what has changed is obviously there's no shows happening at the moment or they're slowly starting to come back. But the development of our industry is based on the fact that we, up to now, have oversold the opportunity to our clients. And, oh, there's 10,000 people going to visit the show. That doesn't matter anymore. What matters is actually selling quality of the people who come to an event so for us right now in our in our sector no we can't have live events so we have the virtual piece which i don't particularly believe in because it doesn't offer face to face but where the development will come will be focusing more on the visitor to the shows because up to now we focus solely on the exhibitor the guy who's giving us the revenue ironically we should be changing our focus entirely to the person who's not paying us at all which is a visitor walking through the door because if he comes, the exhibitor's happy. Exhibitor's happy, the organizer's happy. So we need to focus on a couple of things. Content is one. We need to have better content on our shows. Our, our events need to be much more focused towards niche markets. So the bigger shows will probably, not probably, will struggle. The smaller, more niche shows will, will do better now and will grow over time. Um, it'll also be about engaging visitors in a hybrid model. So for example, saying the show runs for three days, but actually, if you're in Australia and you can't come to Dublin, we're going to run a hybrid or online event 
for a week afterwards. So it's on for 10 days. Now, the advantage there is there's potentially a bigger audience because people can dial in. And um, then there's also more value for an exhibitor because whether you believe in the virtual piece or not, they're getting an extra seven days somewhere. Um, and it, for us, that's going to be the future for now. I don't think virtual running an exhibition solely online will work uh, in its entirety because it misses the face-to-face piece. Virtual is great in our industry to bring people together, but it doesn't close deals. That's what I would say to you. So for me, what I'm trying to work, I work with, I'm on a thing called the Exhibition Tank, Exhibition Think Tank globally. It's 125 exhibition people more around the world sorting out how we're going to resolve our industry. And the hybrid model is the thing that's coming through because it offers more value for now. I have a client, Joe, who's lost 100, say, lost 1.28 billion in the first quarter of this year, an exhibition organizer. So they've been hit very, very hard. So what do they do? Do they give up? No, they don't. They turn over 5 billion years. They've lost a lot of money. But they, what do they do? They go, well, how can we make things better? How can we add more value to our visitors? Because once they're happy, the exhibitors will be happy. That, that boils down to conversation. As you say, you get to people in the room. Um, so get to people in the room. And then the people, you have to have something which is compelling on your summit. Something yeah. that causes sure. the person to want to know more. That curiosity factor. And then it's bringing them to that one-to-one sales conversation for them yeah. to act on and do business with yourselves. And that's, that's where I think the global online summit will work. But that's a webinar. That's, yeah. you know, a, a meeting room. That's, it's the same thing. I honestly believe, you know, your, the industry will kick back up next year and people will be delighted to go out and go to an event, go to the RDS or somewhere else in the world, or London or Birmingham, because they'll want to, because it was taken away. And now that it was taken away, they they hopefully will appreciate them more. But in simplistic terms, they need it. Because, I mean, I talk to exhibitors who go, my order book for the last six months has been 10% of what it normally is. Um, I need more business. I need to get business because if I want to run this business, I need to make money. How will I get more business? Is it happening through digital? No. I'll give you a really good example. In the Canton Fair, which happened uh, across the world, it was in China, I think, um, a couple of weeks ago, one of the biggest exhibitions in the world, live exhibitions, went online. They got 150,000 visitors to the show to one particular stand, allegedly. They got three inquiries. Three out of 150,000 is, is just ridiculous. Now, if I, if I did an exhibition live, I'm going to get a multiple of that. But my point is, Clients are telling me, we need you even more than we ever did before because we need to get pitched side with our clients. Yeah. and I'm not saying I, they're going to come in their droves, but they will come back to it because they want to come back to it. I would look at the analysis of that and I'd say, okay, out of them, how long did the people stay on for? Hmm. You know, what was the conversation that you were having to keep them engaged? There's, there's all these components that people don't think about it's like when you're talking about you know you're setting up a stand and i've seen you know i love it when you you set we, we laugh about it there's a picture and there's a beautiful stand and there's no one at it or <laughs> there's someone that has you know the state of our art and the people are active that's what it is there's all these little components that you need to have and they all match up and if yeah. you don't have if you've missing one of them it fails. And the biggest thing all you want to do on it is get people to have a conversation with you. But 
Here, tell, give these stats again. I love these stats. After the expo is over, what is the rate of people that follow up on the lead gen that they got? Just, yeah, there's a couple of stats, actually. The, the, the first one is that 81% of companies do not chase up leads from trade shows, which is lunacy. And I, I, did, I, I think I said this to you before, but I did a presentation in, in, in Titanic in Belfast in February, just before coronavirus, actually. And there's 150 people in the room exhibitors. I said, what percent, how many of you chase up your leads after showing every single hand? I'm they don't. What happens is they come back to the office and 81% of these people will get caught up in what happened when they're away and they won't chase up the leads. They'll say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, I, I catch up the emails or go to a meeting or whatever. And then the following day, they say, I'll chase up tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes. And that's what happens. So 81% of people will not chase up leads from trade shows. And it's craziness. It's absolutely lunacy that people would go and spend money. And then it's like buying a pair of jeans, a really nice pair of jeans and never putting them on. Makes no sense whatsoever. And these are the very same people who will turn around to me as an organizer and say, the show is rubbish. So how many inquiries you get? 150. How many did you follow up? None. Well, where's the problem like? Yeah, there's the fine line there between reality and fiction. You see, everyone wants these business cards, Joe. They want this to come back with this lovely bunch of business cards. They're great. They stick them in the drawer and they never see them again. And then they go, who's that? I can't remember Absolutely. who this is. <laughs> I'm not. Just... Call reluctance. Call yeah, reluctance. Yeah. You see, what happens is then, as a, as a buyer at a trade show, and you go and the person doesn't follow up, but your competitor does, where are you going to buy? Well, chances are you're going to buy off your competitor. And then you wonder why you didn't get the business from exhibitions. I'm going to switch things slightly. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you, where do you see the economy going? You know, there's talks about, is there going to be a recession in the way? We can't, we can't, we cannot take another lockdown. I've been speaking to people yeah, yeah, who are related, who are within government, and they've said, we can't, we can't take this. We, and the, the dog on the street, no, we cannot take another lockdown. Where do you, where do you see ourselves as a, as a country moving in into next year? Do you think we'll be able to get through all this? I think we will be able to get through this. I, 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 do, I do think if, 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 I, if I unfortunately put my negative hat on, you're probably going to see more and more, more businesses going out of business in the next few weeks. Because I think the honeymoon period for the first couple of months of coronavirus, where everyone was in lockdown, was kind of lovely and fluffy and everyone was, was doing their thing. And I don't mean that in a patronised way, but I don't think they realised the impact on businesses. I think the payments that the governments did to individuals, this, um, the, the pandemic payment was brilliant from the point of view, at least kept people motivated. It wasn't even the kept them employed, it kept them motivated that at least there's somebody coming in and at least I'm not gonna 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 die, or at least I'm not gonna have I'm gonna money for my bills. But I think we are realistically gonna be going into some form of recession. I don't think it's gonna be quite as bad. Maybe I'm completely on a glass half full here. I think we're just gonna have to fight for business more. I think it's a V shape. V shape, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I think V shape's a really good way of describing it. Actually, yeah. it's we all fell off the shelf together, and we all it's it, it wasn't caused by lack of money which yeah. most recessions is caused by, this was we just couldn't spend it. Yeah. And I think m- my opinion is it's the people that have the strong mental attitude that can understand the right through this. What is the solution, not the problem? They yeah, are exactly, the people yeah. that, that are going to thrive. And unfortunately, and there's, yeah. there's going to be, and there is a lot of anxiety out there. There's well, a lot of fear as well. And I think... As leaders, 
we have to be able to help those people walk along this road as well. I think we do because because you're you're right in what you're saying. There is a lot of fear, and totally understandable. There's a lot of fear out there, but like it's more a case of what we what we how we as leaders, as you put it, how we motivate people to say yes, things are tough. But have you looked at doing your business in a slightly different way, or have you looked at pivoting to do something else or whatever? Because the option is under the quilt, either under the quilt or or get out and do something about it. The people who are, I, in my mind, and I think you agree, people in my mind who are going to succeed post-coronavirus are people like you and me who, who've used this time to their advantage, actually. And so how can I change things? What do I need to do? What's good about what's happening? Because if we look at all the bad stuff, sorry, it's, it's, it just made me think. I did a session with the, NRA, the National Recruitment Federation the other day, and somebody said, and they were right, so you can't go to your clients with this, oh, the world's dreadful, the world's... They don't want to hear that. They want to hear... <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? You can't do that. But it's, you can't. It's, I'm not saying you go, you go in the swing from the chandeliers going, whatever, it's wonderful. It's no, not. but I, I think there's a reality is that it, you, you can focus on it and go, this is okay. Everything is, everything is going good. Yeah, for me, it's not, a, it's, it's about this kind of, you know, we do need to be positive, of course, but we need to be realistic as well. But we need to be positive and go to people with solutions, not with problems, as you said earlier on. I mean, for me, I, I would just, you, you've got to, if anything, I think people are going to come back, come out better after coronavirus. Most people in that there's bigger empathy with people now. Maybe certain people are more relaxed and things like that. But I think it's going to be clear that we need to be more focused on our clients rather than us being salespeople. You've got the two books, so one book out. You've got the online course as well. Am I correct in mm-hmm. saying that? So yeah, the online course, and then I've I've uh, the, I've I've two small books published on Amazon, which are going pretty well. Yeah, they're going great. I mean, you, you know yourself, Joe. I mean, books. Unless you're John Grisham, you're not going to make a lot of money from selling books. But it's been it's been a great focus for me, um, to be able to do that. But also, and I think it was your advice originally was by having that, it definitely adds credibility. To, to, to the individual and I didn't write it for credibility by the way I wrote it because I actually wanted to do it but actually in hindsight it has given me a bit of credibility and I, and I enjoy that piece the online course is a different world very very challenging world it's a very successful world if you can get it right I haven't got it right yet by the way it, but it's a whole different animal learning how to automate that marketing as you do and the sales funnels and things like that they're key in it uh, and I think that in itself is a learning but um, online is my only fear with online is we've had so much Zoom that are people going to start switching off this idea that, yes, it's great, but I don't know. It, it, it goes back to value. It, it, yeah, you know, it does. Yeah. I, you know, I always say that a business, we're always fighting for this, you know, this, this thing here. Yeah, yeah. Now that Zoom has arrived and now that COVID had arrived, everybody was now fighting for online it was no longer the coffee meeting it was no longer going to the expo it was no the seminar that everyone now was fighting on one stream to do all their business and when you throw all the water into one bucket it just overflows and people it does just, and it's yeah. difficult to monetize it i mean that's the other thing like it's it's like somebody rang me recently and said will you do will you do a sales training course I mean exhibition sales training course and i said yeah yeah of course it was obviously on zoom and then um, he goes, great. And then we've got down to prices. Oh, would you do it for free? So why would I do that? Um, he said, because everyone else's online is for free. I said, well, maybe everyone else wants to give away their content. And, I, and you know me, Joe, I'm more than happy to share content for free. And I do every day of the week in, in LinkedIn and Twitter. 
But I think at the end of the day, you've got to put some value on it. And it's very difficult to monetize training, particularly, or webinars online now because everyone has done so for free. Yeah, like I, I agree with doing something for free online, but it has to be structured in a way that brings the person closer for them to yeah, have that conversation close. with you. Yeah. You know, I've, I've a free online course um, which is four, four, four videos and it breaks down, you know, the mindset, the marketing, the sales. Yeah, um, but it, the secret of it, of all these are, and how do people act in them is, it's telling people what to do, but not showing them how to do it. It's a lead magnet. Yeah. I mean, you've got, it's got to be for, for the purpose, as you just said. And I, I would make no apologies for that. I mean, I did a free one last week to 90 people uh, all across the world in exhibitions. But I mean, I would be very upfront about it and say, well, I want to actually do business with you guys. I mean, yeah. like this is yeah. free, but I'm giving you, I'm more than happy to give you this, but I want your email address. I want your marketing director's name if he's not on the call. I want you to, to share my posts on social media um, or this share this thing because there's got to be a value to them. They don't just give away stuff for free for the crack all the time. Just think, just think, Stephen, you've come a long way from the yellow pages. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that is uh, 30 years ago. I know, and it yeah, feels, does, doesn't it feel like yesterday, doesn't it? Oh, it does, yeah, yeah, yeah. On it. My yellow pages smile as you dial training. <laughs> yes, uh, and you slag me about, you know, yeah. working in the office equipment. <laughs> yeah, I did I did that piece, and I'd, you see, you were probably more successful at office equipment than I was. I was dreadful at office equipment. I just couldn't sell a frank machine to save my life, unfortunately. Yeah, it, was a, it was a doggy dog trade. No, it is. It's a different world, show. You know yourself. I mean, we, like, I'm a concept guy. My family business is in retail, and my brother's amazing retail. I would hate to be in that business because it's just not me. But he would hate to be doing what I do. Um, and for me, it's about concepts. I like being able to work with people on a conceptual basis. This is what you can get as opposed to this is a product in your hand. And that's just what I'm good at. I'm not good at the other stuff, but hey, no, I enjoy it anyway. It I love it. Most of Stephen, thanks for coming on to Business Eye as you were once a co-host. Um, again, look, where can people reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You'll find me on, uh, I'm developing a new website at the moment. Actually, it's, it's halfway through with the trading online voucher in Delirium. But you get me on theexhibitionguy.com or on LinkedIn as The Exhibition Guy. And that's probably the main point of contact for right now. And as you know, Leo sponsored the show as well. Donnelly Ratdown and Leo sponsored the show. Just so. want to say, by the way, just as you mentioned that, because uh, I have to say, I'm absolutely so impressed with the, the way that Leos have worked with small businesses over the last couple of months. They've just, nothing has been a problem. And um, there's all these different grants coming through. They've been so flexible. And this is not a sales pitch for Leos. I genuinely have to say, I'm really, really impressed with the Leos. And that. They're brilliant. They're business. No, they brilliant. And, and we ha- we'll have Owen on this show. Owen's coming on after you as well to talk about what's going on and how yeah. things are. So you'll be the next guest. And they've been, the they absolutely have been phenomenal this time. Now. They really have been. It's just, nothing has been a problem. And I've got a mentor guy and it's just been brilliant. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's much. always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. And um, look, if people want to reach out, as I say, you're always posting your little, and I, or not your little, your No, your I, know, graphics, I know exactly what you meant. You know, on, on, the, on LinkedIn, on and LinkedIn. I always pop in and have a look and spark curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> it's all for the games. We love, we love to chat anyway. Yes, go on. Anyway. Nice one. Stephen. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Good Take to care. talk to you. Yes, folks, that was Stephen. 
Stephen is a great guy. And um, I think I called him Stephen Header for a second. I wasn't sure there. I don't know where it is. Stephen Martha. Um, Stephen is um, an old co-host here on the show. And a great interview. And sure, check it out. And he has got lots of wisdom on LinkedIn. You're listening to Business Eye, sponsored by your local enterprise office in Dunleary Ratdown. Together, we're making it happen. So, as I said, our next guest has a company called Smartflow, an entrepreneur, innovative. It's all about saving money. Do you know how much you're losing on your water in your organization every month, every year? There is a system now that can tell you. Okay, David. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Joe. I'm good. And yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's interesting. I was tagged in on a post um, on LinkedIn last week uh, from Barry, uh, who said, check this company out. And I went, okay. So I looked into the company, had a, had a, had a little nose around what you're doing. And my ears pricked up and my nose rubbed. And I kind of went, here's something that, you know, I can see being very beneficial to a lot of people. Um, tell me, SmartFlow, when I first heard it, for some reason, I thought it was to do with congestion and traffic in Dublin, um, like Easy Flow or, you know, or even a gas company or something. But the more I looked into it, it's about water conservation. So... You have to be an engineer or have an engineer mindset to sort of go down this route as well. So tell me, where did the ha-ha moment come and tell us what it's about? Okay, Jesus, when did the ha-ha moment come is a good question. So not an engineer by trade. I'm actually a plumber by trade, Joe. So um, plumbing 18 years and plumbing owner 12 years. So I kept seeing this problem on a daily basis, plumbing leaks and I've seen every type of plumbing leak from small to catastrophic plumbing leaks. So I went looking for a solution. Um, searched the market high and low worldwide and we couldn't find a solution to it. I said, well, look, if I'm looking for it, there's obviously other customers that need this. So that kind of started the journey. I said, right, well, I first set out to look for it to fix my problem and I never intentionally came out to actually build a product. But because I couldn't find that on the market, that kind of kick-started the journey. So it's like the mother, invention is the mother of all necessity. So something like that, yes. So you, you said that you started it up there before we got it in. You know, you start had that haha moment, you know, and you got things rolling at the end of 2016. And then it sort of came a company in 2017. And you're a plumber, yes. But, you know, you do have an engineer mindset. Um, when you're jumping in and looking at plumbing in, in factories or houses, there's always, you know, the mind is thinking, how can I, how can I improve this? Or how can I get out of this quick, quickly yeah. as well and providing a good service? So what did you come up with or what did you realize along this, this path of entrepreneurship? Okay, yeah, so what I did is, so after testing all the products, I was thinking, right, they're all missing the boat here with this. So I set up a rig and I started testing all the products. Maybe there's an opportunity here. So as I was saying before the call, I spent six months researching water. I said, water is going to be a major thing in the next couple of years. I could see water scarcity starting to become a big problem. And nobody really hit the mark with a product yet. That's okay, there's an opportunity here in this. So what I've done is I just drew up a specification and then went out and just started looking for a team to pull it together. 
There was a massive learning curve along the way because I knew nothing about app development, servers, flow centers before I started out. So we had to learn all this as you went while building a team. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because you know there was there's a water shortage or you know a pipe a pipe ban in Dublin at the moment or or there has been and I'm sure there's been enough rain in the last couple of weeks to uh, fix that. But and water in in Ireland in itself, they reckon that the majority of it is because of leaks, you know, on the pipes, and that's you know why we have meters at the front of our houses as well. These were all really installed to really figure out how much water are we using. And we know that a lot of houses, the leakage is from the driveway in. Forget about the pipes around the country. It's, it's, yep. That's, a, I would say, a, a million dollar, a million euro project to relay all those pipes in the country. And it eventually is going to have to be done someday, as you said, water shortage. What have you come up with, you know, and, and how can this save the household or businesses? And, and then we'll look about what this can help for different countries um, who, you know, who have bigger issues with water than ourselves. Okay, so like what you said, after the water meter, it's a big problem. So just because it passed the water meter doesn't mean you actually consume that. And you hit the nail on the head with that one because a lot of leaks is after your water meter, but before it enters your property. But you pay for that your water bill, okay? So you only get your water bill every couple of months and you've no way of trying to find out where that leak came from. Did you consume that water? So what our product did, we captured the water as soon as it enters the property. And we, we, we measured that there at that point. So we give the customer real-time access to the water usage. So you're looking at, say, you have, you have the water meter that's starting in at the front of the house, and then you're putting some sort of device at point of entry into the house itself. So that would be up in the hot tank or up in the water or whatever where it comes in, and you're measuring the different flow meters or pressure and then doing a calculation. Exactly. So we catch it as soon as it enters the property, right? So we worry about the customer. That's what we're worried about, right? So as soon as it enters the property, the water mains, we capture it there before any tee off branches. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, do you know what I love about it? It's such a simple idea. And it's one of those things that you go, why didn't anyone ever think of this? You know, everyone going to water, water, you know, and looking at this. So it's, and, and when you have something like that and it's so simple, it's so beautiful because it's staring you straight in the face. And congratulations for doing it as well. No, seriously, I appreciate that. But and, and I thought that as well when I started into it. I said, why did nobody build this? And we were midway through the project and we fell into the rabbit hole about six or seven times at this point. And I said, now I know <laughs> why it sounds like a simple concept. But when you get into the bones of it, there's so many unknowns you'll find along the way and how water moves and what it has to do and how you have to put that into the cloud to make it work. It's okay yeah. monitoring, but you need to build a system on the back of that which will work for the customer. So what you have, you've developed a, a product then which is connected to an app and the person then calculates their flow. Exactly. So what we have, the customer has an app, but on the large enterprise customers, they have a desktop view. So say you have a guy, a couple of guys we work with, say he has 40 properties, okay? Now, without SmartFlow, he gets his water bill in every couple of months for these 40 properties. Now, he's no, he'd no way of managing that. So he'd get his water bill in. He could be two grand one month. He could be five grand the next month. 
and he'd never be able to understand that. So we give him a desktop view so he can see them 40 properties in real time on exactly what's happened within them properties. So if one goes a set point over a certain percentage, he's alerted to that. So he can log in, look, see if it's an issue. If he thinks it's a leak, he can shut the water off remotely. Okay, so that, that brings up a question for me then. Once it's repaired, do they no longer then need your system? Or is your, what, is the potential, what is the potential of leaks springing all the time? That's, oh, it, it, it's massive. So you're actually three times more likely from your property to be damaged from a plumbing leak than burglary, right? So when I read that statistic, I was like, that can't be right. Because burglar alarms are commonplace. And we done that with a lot of customers as well. We went in, guys have major problems. They were say using one guy was using fifty thousand liters of water a day, right? And we got them down to fifteen thousand. And exact now we had them at a um, a set point per day. Now, which happened loads of times, he'd get a spike in that. His water usage would jump to twenty thousand per day. We can alert him to that, he can go in and he'd have found that someone left the tap on outside the property and he was consuming water or, or something simple like a toilet overflowing. So we're alerting him to that. Yeah, it's that's that's a very good point because, you know, you're thinking of a leak or a pipe or some, but yes, in a business, a, a tap overflowing, uh, you know, a leaking tap, uh, a toilet overflowing, uh, you know, someone leaving something on, it, it's it's actually costing money. But, COVID was a really big one to allow us to see how big of a problem it was, because I'd say ninety eight percent of our customers had a problem when COVID hit. So we were the offices were closed. Oh, yeah, there was nobody. There was, there was no footfall. Zero footfall. Yeah, we were saying, well, look, you're using 10,000 litres of water. For, just to give people an idea on what litres of water represents, what's the average shower consumed? Okay, so an average shower will give you 10 litres per minute. So if you're in the shower for 10 minutes, you use 100 litres of water. Wow, yeah. That's, so, that's like, yeah. Now, if you're like my partner, Sam, you're 20 minutes, so that's 200 litres of water. So you, you can see how it can quickly ramp up. It is on it. But if someone then, are you pushing, going towards more the, the commercial end or are you looking at residential? Yeah, and here's, when I first built this, I was residential, smart home product. We're going to build the best water leak detection system on the market, which I believe we've done that, right? Now, as you know, you build a product, they don't just come. We found we were getting into the market, but it was a lot slower than what we thought. And we had to do our customer validation. We said, okay, who gets the better value proposition to this? We quickly found out, okay, the commercial guys, they consume a lot more water. They pay for it, especially here in Ireland. So we can give these guys a return on investment. So we just found it was an easier sale to the commercial guys. So we just took that path. Yeah, because I think it also, I think a lot of people in residential will be in denial. You know, yeah. it's it's not my problem. It's, it's a leak, it's a leak. They, and it's not just they, they're not aware of it. It's They're still getting water, so they don't care, right? And a lot of people aren't, you know, haven't bought into the water meters. And we know that the protests are going on about that and, and the government have sort of, you know, are reviewing that all the time. But the cost of fixing that leak in your property as well it's probably colossal oh yeah yeah and like and here lies the problem in ireland it costs you to get a fixed not for the water you consume residential yeah so if you, if you have a tap that's constantly flowing okay you'll pay a plumber 80 yeah. to 100 quid to come out and fix that 
but it won't cost you anything if you leave it. Yeah. Outside of Ireland, you don't. You pay for it. All the domestic homes pay for it. On it, yeah, I understand. So that's quite good. You know, it's it's. But I think it's I I think then definitely it is the residential that's coming up as well. I think pushing them to the side, offering that meter for them. And for the people that want to invest, especially in new builds, because new builds yeah. are using plastic piping instead of um, the old, old copper piping. Um, where is the future then for countries outside Ireland? What, what is the future plan for, for the organization that you have? I'm sure you've got a grants. You've obviously you've, you've have your steam in the head. You're a, you're a startup business. What's, what's the plan for the future, David? Um, UK. We're putting a lot of attention on the UK at the minute. Okay. Um, we're talking to a couple of the water companies over there. Yeah, so they already have large customer base, but they don't have the product or the service to give them. Yeah, or Ireland is like yeah, it's it's like Ireland is like a stepping stone. I always believe when you're setting up a company in Ireland, the Irish are the ones, you know, put a man on a pedestal and then rip him down, you know, to play by the Western world. Um, <laughs> and we we are hard on our own. And if you sort of get through Ireland and they believe it, um, it's and it, because if it's a small community then it's, we all believe then it's that springboard into England. And most companies say, I want to go to America and I only want 1% of the marketplace. Do you know, there's other countries out there that would value this more. Sweden, you know, Denmark, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's where the, the go, I think it's look for the countries that are more eco-friendly first before jumping on the others because it might be an easier setup on it. Have you spoke to the government or have you initiated conversations with county councils um, about the product and, and how it can benefit them as well? Yeah, no, we've had a couple of conversations with them guys, but again, it's just slow and monotonous because you're not just selling them the product, as you know. You haven't educated them as well to the problem and then the solution that you have. Yeah. So we, we, just, we just found the hospitality sector was our nice spot initially to get in. And then yeah. COVID hit that and we thought, oh, here we go again, because that, that whole market stopped. But that it opened up another market to the commercial guys. But it's also, it's a time for when they want to, they want to get all this sorted when there's no one around. You know, there's those opportunities that swing in it, definitely. Yeah. David, tell us, um, you're the MD of it. I know you have a couple of other people with you as well. Uh, how, if people want to do a bit of research or want to find out about the company or find out about the product where can they get in touch with us and you can have a look on our website www.mysmartflow.ie and you can also find us on linkedin and it's and it's it's also if you want to find it's dave or david hogan on linkedin uh dave hogan hogan brilliant okay dave look i wish you all the best um i'm i'm it's great to hear some someone with a great story and you know an inventive product as well coming out of Ireland, which I think it's going to be a massive success. More so in you know the commercial because of you know what's happening. Uh, the, everyone's looking to cut costs, get lean, get lean, and I think yeah. this is you know if you save something small, the long term over a period of time can be can be massive savings on it. So, Dave, congratulations on that. And um, look, we, we wish you well. Take care. No, brilliant, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Have a good day. And that's it, folks, for another wrap of Business Eye. Yes, and I hope you are all keeping well. Um, Dave has a, 
I think he's got a great product um, and I think he has a great system and I hope him wishing him really well. And then, as you know, we had Stephen Murt on talking about sales. So good show. Anyway, you have a good week and look, we'll talk to you again and be safe. Take care.